Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, as you have been listening probably for the last couple Sundays, we are reading the continuation of the first book by Michael A. Singer, which was The Untethered Soul. This one is Living Untethered Beyond the Human Predicament, and today we're embarking on Chapter 5, Exploring the Nature of Things. Your entire life is composed of consciously experiencing the three objects of consciousness, the outer world, the thoughts, and the emotions. Now we're ready to explore the origin and the nature of these experiences. By understanding where they come from, they will lose some of the distractive power they have over you. You will then better understand your tendency to accept or reject them. We study these objects of consciousness not solely for the knowledge we gain, but also for the freedom we attain. Let's discuss the nature of the world passing before you. Every moment that passes before you comes and goes like the frames of a motion picture. The moments never stop. They just keep flowing through time and space. Where did all these moments come from? Why do you experience them the way that you do? What is your true relationship to what passes before you? Perhaps even more interesting than the outer world, we're going to explore the nature of the mind and the emotions, including how and why they keep changing the way that they do. Though all three of these objects of consciousness are constantly changing, you are the persistent being that is always there experiencing them. What is your nature? What is it like to sit back and be conscious of being conscious? That is what spirituality is all about. When you're no longer distracted by any of these three great distractors, your consciousness will no longer be pulled into those objects. The focus of consciousness will very naturally remain in the source of consciousness. It's like a flashlight shining on various objects. Instead of looking at the objects being illuminated, if you look at the light itself, you will realize it is the same light shining on all of the different objects. Likewise, it is the same consciousness that is aware of all of the objects passing before it, both outside and in. You are that consciousness. When you pull back to that source of awareness, it is the most beautiful thing that you will ever experience. That is the journey before us to free ourselves from the distractions that keep drawing us away from our greatness and leave us struggling with life. As you come to understand the nature of these objects you're struggling with, you'll very naturally be able to release the hold that they have on you. This act of letting go is what is meant by acceptance and surrender. There is a state of great peace within you that cannot be disturbed by the world, your thoughts, or even your emotions. These objects can continue to freely exist, but they will no longer dominate your life. You will be free to fully interact in your life, but you'll do so out of a sense of love and service rather than fear or desire. Now you understand the underlying purpose of this book, for you to learn how to let go of the three great distractors and return to the source of your being. As you will see, this is the only way that you can fully enjoy your time here on earth. This is what it means to be living untethered. It doesn't take forceful practices to return to your core. The highest path is learning through your daily life to gradually let go of what is distracting your consciousness. By accepting instead of resisting, you will eventually attain a permanent seat of clarity. It's called becoming established in the seat of self. 
You'll be living in the most beautiful energy you've ever experienced, and it will never stop. During every moment of your life, there will be a beautiful flow of energy that keeps rising within you. We're going to approach this process of freeing yourself in a very scientific, analytical manner. By doing so, you'll become so comfortable with the three objects of consciousness passing before you that you will no longer have to devote your life to controlling the experience. You will see that these passing objects represent the lower aspect of your being, body, mind, and emotions. In drastic contrast, you can learn to establish yourself in the higher aspect of your being, the seat of conscious awareness. You can live your life in a state of complete freedom and happiness. Are you ready? Let's embark on our journey into the exploration of our outer world, inner world of mind and emotions, and the consciousness of experiencing it all. Let's learn more about this path of acceptance of what passes before us. After this break, we are going to embark on part two, which is entitled The Outside World, and we're going to be jumping into chapter six, The Moment in Front of You. Keeping perspective is essential at every stage on our path toward inner freedom. The solid ground we keep coming back to is that you're in there. You know you're in there and you've always known that you're in there. But you don't focus on the fact that you're in there because you're too absorbed in what's going on both inside and outside of you. You get lost in the objects of consciousness instead of focusing on the source of consciousness. Spiritual awakening is about untangling consciousness from the objects of consciousness. And to do this, it will help tremendously to understand the nature of the objects of consciousness you deal with each day. We begin our exploration with the outside world. What you receive in through your five senses is a significant part of your daily experience. You are inundated each day with unending streams of sights, sounds, tastes, smells, and touches. If we're going to explore what it's like to be you, the conscious is living within. We need to take the time to thoroughly understand the outside world since it makes up such a major part of your life. What is actually out there? Where did it come from and what is your relationship to it? Let's begin by exploring your relationship to the world around you. We'll start by making a statement that you probably will not agree with. The moment in front of you right now has absolutely nothing to do with you. Before you disagree, just look at the moment in front of you. Don't do anything with it. Don't meditate on it or try to be positive about it. Just notice that there is a moment in front of you. Now look to the left. There's a different moment in front of you. Look to the right. There's yet another moment in front of you. Those moments were in front of you before you looked at them, and they will still be there when you're done looking. How many moment, moments exist in the world right now that you're not looking at? How about the entire universe? You must admit that those moments have nothing to do with you. They belong to themselves and their relationship to all that surrounds them. You didn't create them, and you don't just make them come and go. They're just there. The moment in front of you is just another moment in the universe that exists even when you're not looking at it. It's completely impersonal. Nonetheless, the moment in front of you doesn't seem impersonal. It seems very personal. That's why it can cause so much trouble. You suffer 
when the moment in front of you is not the way that you want it, and you rejoice when it matches your preferences. As we'll explore in later chapters, this is because of something that you're bringing into the moment. It's not something intrinsic to the moment itself. All moments in the universe are simply moments in the universe. You are the one bringing in your personal preferences into these impersonal moments and making them seem personal. This is our first encounter with seeing how difficult it is to surrender our habitual way of looking at things. We are perfectly willing to admit that what is going on in Timbuktu right now has nothing to do with us. Likewise, we have no problem admitting that the rings of Saturn, the big storm on Jupiter, and the sands of Mars have nothing to do with us. In other words, more than 99.99999% of the universe has nothing to do with us, but somehow the 0.00001% does. Which 0.00001% does. The part that's in front of you. Somehow, because you're looking at it, it's no longer a part of the impersonal universe. It becomes personal. The problem is, is that you have made a really big deal out of the moment in front of you throughout your life by bringing your personal preferences into that moment. Notice that the billions of people who are not looking at the moment in front of you don't have any problem with it. They couldn't care less about it. It's not stirring up their thoughts. It's not stirring up their emotions. When you're no longer experiencing that moment, it generally won't bother you either. Instead, the moment you turn to next will be bothering you. Why is she sitting there? Who is she talking to? The lights are way too bright. All of a sudden, this new moment starts affecting you because you're looking at it. The truth of the matter is it, exi it existed exactly the same before you started looking at it. One of the most amazing things that you will ever realize is that the moment in front of you is not bothering you. You are bothering yourself about the moment in front of you. It's not personal. You are making it personal. There are countless moments unfolding in the universe at any given time, and your relationship to all of them is exactly the same. You are the subject. They are the object. Once you realize this truth intellectually, it still won't look that way in your everyday life. To help, let's take a field trip out to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, overlooking the beautiful Pacific Ocean. While you're gazing out there, ask yourself whether what you see in front of you has anything to do with you. You see waves. You see spray. You may even see some whales or sea lions. That just happens to be what is unfolding in front of you at that moment. If you had come on a different day or even a different hour, what you would see would be quite different, but this would not bother you. It would only bother you if you came to the wharf with some personal preferences. I want to see a whale. I want to see the giant waves people told me about. With these preferences, you'll have a very different experience than someone who simply came to see what the Pacific Ocean looked like that day. One person can simply enjoy the experience, and the other has to struggle to make the experiences match their personal preferences. In the case of the ocean, it's not difficult to see that the moment before you has nothing to do with you, and you have the right to simply enjoy this experience. Because you don't generally identify yourself with the ocean. This is easier to do with the rest of your life. But let there be no doubt. <clears throat> 
your relationship to what is in front of you is always the same. Whether you're looking at the ocean or you're looking at your life. These moments are just what happens to be happening at that particular time and place in the universe where you happen to be standing. None of it is personal. But since you seem to take that moment in front of you so personally, let's continue our exploration of the outside world by looking at it where the moment came from and why it is the way that it is. Chapter 7 The World You Live In If you want to know where the moment in front of you came from, it makes sense to go to our scientists. They've inquired about this as far back as Aristotle and Plato. From the beginning of our existence, humans have pondered, where did all this come from? What made it? Why is it there? If we ask scientists today, they will say that what you're looking at when you look at the outside world is actually a blending of much smaller objects. Your eyesight and all your senses are averaging a molecular structure. As we've already explored, you're not actually looking out at the world, it is coming into you through your senses. To see how this works, let's examine the nature of color. When you look at the world, it certainly appears to have color, but other than light itself, objects have no color. The only reason you experience color is because the light is bouncing off the objects as color. You see this when examining prism. If you shine a light through a prism, you will get different colors. It's called electric magnetic spectrum. Light has different wavelengths and you perceive each visible wavelength as color. Remember, Roy G B I V, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. They make up the colors of the visible part of the light spectrum. When light waves hit a physical object, the different atoms and molecules of that object absorb some frequencies of light and reflect others. Objects themselves have no color. It is the light reflecting off of them that has the different colors that we perceive. This is the perfect example of how truth is not always what it appears to be. We will see this time and again as we examine the true nature of what consciousness experiences. Scientists used to think that the atom was the smallest possible unit and it could not be subdivided any further. Today, we understand that an atom is composed of electrons, neutrons, and protons. It forms the basic unit of everything we look at every day. We could stop right here and have some fun with the very personal way that we look at things. For example, what exactly do you mean when you say that you like something? What is it you claim to be liking? If you like the color of the wall, that's saying that you like a part of the electromagnetic spectrum and not the other parts. Likewise, with any outside object, do you really like some atoms and not others? It like, it's, gets a little weird, doesn't it? This truth is very powerful because all that you're ever looking at is a bunch of atoms with lights bouncing off of them. After hundreds of years of study, scientists have told us that the atoms get pulled together into molecules through the laws of covalent and ionic bonds. This might sound complicated, but they are really just the laws of magnetism, determining which atoms will bond together. These laws, in turn, determine what you will see in the outside world. Certainly at this level, you conceive that it's not personal. 
It has nothing to do with you. You don't decide which atoms or molecules bond together naturally. It's been going on over the universe for billions of years. Our scientists have told us that there are currently only 118 different types of atoms in the known universe, with 92 of them occurring naturally on Earth. These are what make up the periodic table of elements. The periodic table represents the building blocks of what you are seeing and interacting with every moment of your life. This is not just on Earth. All the stars, the planets, and everything everywhere that we've encountered are made from these basic elements. Many of you have studied the natural sciences in school, but what if you apply that to what you've learned in your everyday life? What's in front of you is simply the accumulation of mass amounts of atoms being pulled together by the laws of nature. It's all just science, nothing personal. Becoming personally affected by the flow of atoms as they pass by you is so illogical. Why would you get upset because of how a bunch of atoms join together? Don't worry. Before we're done, we'll have fully explored the phenomena of getting personally upset over a bunch of atoms. From here, it gets really interesting because the question becomes, where do the atoms come from? Now we're inquiring about the origin of matter. Understanding where atoms come from can give you the sense of your place in all of the universe. All that's happening in your daily life is your consciousness. Looking at electrons, neutrons, and protons that have pulled together to form atoms and molecules. Since this is the world that you live in, let's take time to explore where it all came from. Understanding this has the potential to alter your entire view of life. We will discuss this next Sunday, embarking on Chapter 8, The Origin of Matter.